What is going on? Y'all know what day it is. Y'all know what day it is? Y'all know? Hump day. Hump day. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thanks so much for tuning in. This is episode 197 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. And of course, the ad for the next thing comes up while I'm talking. So sorry about that. Hope everybody is doing good today. I am today's guest host. I am very honored and privileged that Dr. Jerry Ozier has asked me to uh, fill in for him in his absence of travel. Uh, definitely got some things coming up on today's uh, daily cyber cyber threat briefing today. So uh, for a few moments, we'll say, you know, do the traditional, say hello to everybody that is in chat and get ready to get things going today. Let's see. Joel, yes, it is me. It is me. Go Blue Eric. Hello, hello. Can't see this camel since uh, he had the camel. Yeah, camel fatigue. That's right. Uh, morning, Munchkin. How you doing today? Um, Carrie, uh, 229 days with no coffee or caffeine. Good job, Carrie. Good job, man. Hope everybody's doing all right. Hope everybody's doing all right. Um, has anybody updated to the new I, um, Apple ISO 16.0 yet? Just curious. I know we got some things coming up today, but just curious if anybody's updated it already and what's your thoughts on it already? Darn, can't complain. That's right. You know what, Munchkin? Nobody, it's no good to complain because nobody's going to listen anyway, right? Sorry, whole construction joke. Joel, I am tired. I am tired. I am tired. Yes, yes. So while everybody's piling in, you know, this is normally where uh, Jerry says, and today, thanks for today's show sponsors, and I'm going to keep it kind of, um, oh, actually, we just got news briefing in. Hold on, hold on. I actually got the, the, uh, the verbiage. Look, we, Simply Cyber is honored to have two sponsors one of course barricade cyber solutions which everybody here knows i am the ceo of and you know i'm not going to do the whole long spill look you guys know if things break things are going very very horrible you think you have some sort of data breach or ransomware give us a call you know it's really simple you know even if you you know just want to have a conversation literally just go to barricadecyber.com my schedule is right there pretty pretty open person to talk to um those who are messaging me on linkedin it's hard for me to keep up on linkedin anymore so um i will do my best to keep up with those but sometimes those messages are uh, delayed by a day or two right um how can you sign up for hadouken pro you know what that um Hayuk pro is not ready for release yet um they I don't know what the release date is on that one. Definitely check out the Simply Cyber Discord channel and ask in there. There's a bunch of people that are over there. I'm very interested to see the pro as well. Um, definitely seeing the, um, seeing what Jerry was doing, actually seeing it being um, as a true uh, sandbox environment. It's it's a pretty cool pretty cool thing. So, um, and sorry, I get a little distracted. Well little bit ADHD as normal as those who work for me kind of know. 
I want to say thanks to this stream's second so spo uh, sponsor, Info or Recon InfoSec. Oh my gosh! If your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to build a full-fledged security operations capability from the ground up, check out the managed detection and response offered from Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, processes, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Again, if you uh, – on that, before I get on to the next one, I'm going to tell you, here at Bearcat Cyber, and I strongly recommend this for anybody, anybody working in the tech sector. If you are a head of the technology or you're the head of you know, cybersecurity at any industry, every year we go through and say, okay – what is our vendors doing with it uh, for us and with us? What is, you know, what are the holes and what do we need to do to fill those holes? Um, during those evaluations every year, we simply say, you know, we start talking to our vendors again and we start evaluating other vendors. So if you're coming up toward the end of the year and you, it's coming time for you to renew your EDR, MDR, XDR, whatever, you know, definitely reach out to uh, Recon InfoSec and see what they got to say. You know, I would definitely put Eric and his team over there, um, Info Recon, InfoSec Recon, the a little bit higher than you know your traditional one. Eric is a SANS teacher. Those who know me, you know, I fully invested in SANS. I hold several GX certifications, so you know that definitely goes a little bit higher on my weight scale of, you know, I, these are the people that I want to talk to and at least know where they stand and what they can potentially offer for our organization. Right. Um, so remember folks, if you want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPE each day of the daily cyber threat brief is worth half a CPE. So 2.5 every week and roughly 10 a month. Be sure to document literally the easiest way, and I would argue the most enjoyable way, to earn CPEs. You know, you get to deal with crazy people like me sometimes, right? So a little spin, a little flavor. Um, hope everybody is doing well. I do want to keep in line with Jerry's 45 minutes, and we are nine minutes in uh, past the hour. I did start about two minutes late because of dealing with the puppies. And, you know, their shenanigans this morning. If those who don't know, I have two English Bulldogs. Um, one turns a year tomorrow and the other one is about six months old. So they're very playful, very energetic. And sometimes I got to run around and get, beat them into submission, so to speak. So, but anyway, with that said, let's get this podcast started. So we'll do this and we'll... And let's fire this thing off. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Wednesday, September 14th, 2022. Apple releases iOS and Mac OS updates to patch actively exploited zero-day flaw. Apple has released another round of security updates to address multiple vulnerabilities in iOS and Mac, including a new zero-day flaw that has been used in attacks in the wild. 
The issue, assigned the identifier CVE-2022-32917, is rooted in the kernel component and could enable a malicious app to execute arbitrary code with kernel privileges. An anonymous researcher has been credited with reporting the shortcoming, and it's worth noting that 32917 is also the second kernel-related zero-day flaw that Apple has remediated in less than a month. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So, if you, again, like I was saying in the uh, prelude of the show, if you know, if you haven't updated your iOS devices, I would strongly, strongly recommend you know updating. I hats off to Apple while I. You know, it's always a, I always say this with an asterisk, you know, taking away the data cybersecurity or the data privacy in the iOS platforms and how much is beaconing back to the Apple servers. You take the privacy out of the equation. Apple really is a pretty, pretty secure platform for the most part. That thing is sorry. Those who watching me, that that arrows I get toward my mouth, like I'm getting ready to eat some ice cream or something like that. So trying to move myself around a little bit. But anyway, um, so yeah, definitely update. There are some unique nuances with the new iOS. Um, I updated mine a couple of days ago when um, our two our multi-factor application was telling me, hey, you need to update. So we updated. Um, so the one thing that's really kind of getting me going is, you know, how like in iOS, you'll have your your banners that will show all your notifications. They're all at the bottom now. You have to scroll up when you're on the lock screen to actually see all of them. Right. So um, definitely update. Definitely keep those things updated. Um, hopefully you guys are like me and you're using a multi-factor authentication that is actually putting uh, those notifications to you when it is time to actually um, I'm going to mirror my video there. That way I'm a little bit further. I can sit over this way and be a little bit away from that. So, you anyway, know, um, that will let you know when you actually have those vulnerabilities um, and be able to update in a more proactive way. So some, some ice cream shirts, Joel, <laughs> you know, I forgot about you did that, that whole uh, ice cream thing. That's pretty cool, man. All right, on to the next one. I got to do a little bit less talking. Extreme California heat knocks key Twitter data center offline. The extreme heat in California has left Twitter without one of its key data centers and a company executive warned in an internal memo obtained by CNN that another outage elsewhere could result in the service going dark for some of its users. A memo sent from Carrie Fernandez, the company's vice president of engineering, to Twitter engineers on Friday stated that as a result of the outage in Sacramento, Twitter is in a, quote, non-redundant state, end quote. She explained that Twitter's data centers in Atlanta and Portland are still operational, but warned, quote, if we lose one of those remaining data centers, we may not be able to serve traffic to all of Twitter's users, end quote. Mm, what can we... What in the world can we actually say, you know, about that, right? Um, you know, this is the importance of doing geolocation, you know, when you got to have redundancy for your infrastructure being pushed out there. Um, you know, you got to make sure that your content is available in most more locations, right? So at least Twitter has two of their data centers up and running, you know, We'll leave the politics of the whole electric grid and everything of you know California out of this one, but 
Um, you know, they've had many, many problems. So good, good on at least Twitter on making sure they're not being dependent on uh, one da uh, data center and being kneecapped by that. Um, you know, while more, most Fortune 500 companies do do that, um, you know, most com more companies more uh, often not do not, you know, geolocate their stuff. So, but you know, it, it is a content delivery mechanism, right? So, no. Me personally, I could live without Twitter for a couple of days. You know, even though I do get a ton of my infosec news from the Twitter feeds and stuff like that, but then my world will not come to a screeching halt and blustery fire if I couldn't be on Twitter for a couple of days. Just me. I see so, several of the comments in here right there are saying the same thing, all right? So glad I'm not uh, alone in that sentiment. So what? Go away, ads. Close ad. Go away. Next article. New phishing scheme uses herd mentality approach to dupe victims. Hackers are using a clever new phishing technique to create email threads with multiple responses to trick potential victims into thinking bogus messages are legitimate. The cybersecurity firm Proofpoint has identified the group deploying these so-called multi-persona impersonation emails as TA-453, an Iran-based organization that has activities that overlap with Charming Kitten, Phosphorus, and APT-42. The tactic is designed to create a stronger impression that the activity is real, the researchers said, by employing a psychological phenomenon known as social proof. Sometimes referred to as herd mentality, the idea is that people are more likely to engage if they see others doing it, too. You know, this is not a new thing, ladies and gentlemen. It's really not. When I do a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot anymore, but when I did a lot of pen te penetration tests, I mean, we would do the social engineering side of things. Um, it We would literally put together, you know, an email chain or what looks like an email chain. It wouldn't have all the headers and everything like that from the previous email, but we would put an email chain with other people that we would scrape off of LinkedIn and have it all in there, right? Um, you know, so we're trying to get them to click on something, you know, they see, oh, well, you know, Carl from engineering was also part of this thing and responded. So, you know, let me just go see what this thing is. Right. So this is not a new tactic. They've definitely given it a new name that I've seen, you know, um, you know, the herd mentality, which is, you know, it's neither here nor there to me, but this has not been, this is not something new by any means. Um, Typically, you'll see these ones in – so here's a little tip from you from real-world experience. A lot of times you'll see this with like domain emails. So let's say like you are Microsoft.com and the O is a zero, like you purchased that domain and you're trying to simulate like you are Microsoft.com. Um, so it's one of those things that it – yeah. Yeah, it's nothing new. Just be mindful. Teach your folks about this one, right? This is definitely something that you could be able to put into your stack of, you know, uh, fish fish training and be able to educate your users and your prospects and things of that nature about that stuff, right? So.
New PS Exec spin-off lets hackers bypass network security defenses. Oh, great. Security researchers have developed an implementation of the SysInternals PS Exec utility that allows moving laterally in a network using a single, less monitored port, Windows TCP port 135. PS Exec is designed to help administrators execute process remotely on machines in the network without the need to install a client. But threat actors have also adopted the tool and are frequently using it in post-exploitation stages of an attack to spread on the network, run commands on multiple systems, or deploy malware. This achievement brings changes to the defense game since blocking just port 445 to restrict malicious PS Exec activity is no longer a reliable option for most attacks. And before we get onto the show spot, all right, this is what I want you to realize. They are using SMB connection, right? A lot of environments, we've seen this. You know what? Shameless plug, if you don't mind, go to, you know, Twitter's still up, so go to my Twitter or go to my LinkedIn. I literally posted an article um, a couple of days ago where how to secure your SMB where you are only able to use it from a domain. So you have to use domain credentials. You know, you can't just have open shares available inside of your network. This is the, one of the biggest things that we see in DFIR cases, digital forensic sense response, where you have an open admin share. They will push a file through PSX. So if you want to move a file from computer A to computer B, and you don't have the credentials yet, you use PS exec, which is made by Systernals. You could push that file over through an open admin share without using domain or any sort of credentials because you have an open share available and be able to execute from that. Protect your SMB shares. You know, um, I, if you're on Discord, I'll post the direct link uh, to our, uh, our article on how to do the. It, it's really, really simple. I even give you, if you're in a domain, the GPO for it, so that way you can do it. It's a two-second read. You look at it, like, oh, okay, and go set it up, right? So anyway, um, yeah, protect your SMB shares, folks. Protect it, protect it, protect it, protect it. You know, like the, I love it, I love it, I love it. Thanks to this week's episode sponsor, EdgeScan. EdgeScan combines full-stack coverage with integrated reporting and business-level prioritization to deliver a single source of truth for your entire vulnerability management program with zero false positives. For more information, visit EdgeScan at edgescan.com. That's E-D-G-E-S-C-A-N.com. Dutch police arrest man for laundering tens of millions in stolen crypto. A 39-year-old man was arrested in the Dutch town of Venendaal on suspicions of laundering tens of millions of euros worth of cryptocurrency stolen in phishing attacks. The police worked closely with the country's central cybercrime team to monitor specific Bitcoin transactions and to locate his whereabouts. According to a press statement, law enforcement was able to track down the suspect by following the crypto that had been stolen using a software update for the legitimate open-source Electrum wallet. The malicious update had been distributed through phishing attacks. Yeah, good for them, you know. Whoop, whoop, that's the sound of police. Whoop, whoop. My cow stops singing and start making everybody want to jump off of a bridge. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, good for them, right? I mean, you know, if you watch any sort of like Law & Order or crime TV show or whatever, you know, most of them will say, 
it only takes a criminal to mess up once before they actually get them. Same case, right? I mean, I was reading a little bit into this story the I think it was yesterday or the day before, and it may be the same story, but um you know they weren't using tumblers, they weren't using anything to obfuscate, you know, their transactions or anything like that. So um you know, and there's a big t knocked out or um, there's a big to do about, you know, blocking tumblers and things of that nature. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the crypto space uh, around using tumblers and obfuscating your uh, Bitcoin transactions and uh, other cryptocurrency transactions through the quote unquote blockchain. So it'd be interesting. But yeah, good, definitely, you know, hats off to the police. I really wish I needed to install a ad blocker because gummit bleeping computer you make me want to start using the bleeping button but anyway um yeah i mean good for them yeah they they were patient they waited you know once once the police and any sort of three-letter agency has their eyes on you yeah literally you just got to um you just gotta wait for them to mess up that one time and slap them cuffs on you so Anyway, next or, or next story. Pro-Palestinian group Ghost Sec hacks Berghoff PLCs in Israel. On September 4th of this year, Ghost Sec announced on social media and on its Telegram channel that it had compromised 55 Berghoff programmable logic controllers, also known as PLCs, used by organizations in Israel. GhostSec also published a video demonstrating a successful login to the PLC's admin panel, along with screenshots of an HMI screen showing some phases of the attack, including the block of the PLC. Experts believe that the threat actors gained access to the admin panel of the PLCs by using default and common credentials. Uh, is it really hacking if you don't change your default login information? Serious question. Let me know in the comments if you think it is really hacking if you just do a little OSINT and be like, oh, this Ubiquity device or this um, Cisco Netgear router uses admin and admin or admin and password or whatever. You know, I argue I don't think that's really hacking. All right. I mean, you just found a, a quote unquote vulnerability because they did not change their default creds. I, I personally consider that a vulnerability, not really hacking. But, you know, maybe these guys, you know, need to call Robert Lee, you know, with Dragos and, you know, get better security for their PLCs because Dragos is the industry leader. Also, another SANS instructor as well. You know, one of those guys that when they talk, I shut up. Right? So, um yeah, definitely let me know what your, your comments are because we always get always love having that conversation. Is default creds really hacking or is it a vulnerability or what do you call it? Let me know in the comments. I'd love to go back and read y'all's insight. Trend Micro has actively exploited a one zero day. Trend Micro announced this week the release of security patches to address multiple vulnerabilities in its Apex One and security product, including a zero-day vulnerability tracked as CVE 2022-40139 with a CVSS score of 7.2, which is actively exploited. 
This flaw is an improper validation issue related to a rollback function. An agent can exploit the vulnerability to download unverified rollback components and execute arbitrary code. The company pointed out that the vulnerability could be exploited only by an attacker that had access to authentication data. Trend Micro did not share details of the attacks exploiting this vulnerability. Yep. Good on Trend Micro, of course, you know, of, you know, patching their crap. You know, the one thing that I always throw in asterisk, especially when you see this, Trend Micro did not share the details of the attack being exploited in the vulnerability or in this vulnerability or any vulnerabilities. You know, there's two things about Trend Micro. Um, they're still on the sanctions list, so you can't install them. And at least last time I heard, they may have rescinded this. But any U.S. military or um, state agency cannot have Trend Micro um, because uh, they're uh, being run in foreign countries. Um, and while they are not sharing the details of it, give it a day. Somebody's going to know what it is. going to get leaked out on Twitter. So if you're using Trend Micro, please update. I'm sure there's an update already. I'm sorry I didn't catch that part. But – the one thing that I always like to see, and they're not sharing this, is how long was this thing around? Um, Joel, you know, you may be right, but I, it may be Kapersky. Maybe I am speaking out my backside. Um, I could have swore it was Trend Micro, though. So I got some homework to do. Is it Kapersky or is it Trend Micro? And now that you say it, I think you're right. I think I misspoke. I do, I do think it's Kaspersky now that um, you, you bring that up. So thank you. Uh, thank you for keeping me honest on that one. I may be wrong. In fact, I think I am wrong on that one. So anyway, yeah, I don't th – I really wish they would share the details because I would love to know how long this vulnerability has been around. You know, are they the Kaseyas of the world where, you know, they don't take their security seriously or this particular vulnerability very seriously. Um, and it sat idle for a year, two years or something like that while the security researchers were telling them about it. Hey, we got a security issue over here. Right. Um, I don't know. Those are the things that I really like to dig into because that tells me about their cybersecurity stance. And that's really why, you know, granted, I like to, you know, wave my finger at them be like you naughty little people but it really it shows a trend not to do channel michael but it does show a trend of their policy their mental cybersecurity hygiene and policies and things of that nature right so um gerald oh dr gerald osher what's going on buddy i didn't know you was going to be in today but yeah super micro is definitely another one of those um, that's been a lot of back and forth on super micro. Uh, those who don't know, super micro makes a bunch of servers that, um, is to so far allegedly beaconing back on the, I believe it was the lights out or out of band, uh, out of band management. You know, if you're familiar with, uh, you know, Dell's iDRAC or HP's ILO, you know, lights out management. Um, and their management of the server. So that way it's not on the, you know, supposed to be on the, supposed to be on like a management VLAN and not your corporate environment thing, you know, type of thing. So um, 
if I remember correctly, that's how it was beaconing back. So that way it didn't get flagged in a lot of the um, security auditing of networks and things of that nature. So. Oh, so before we go on to our last topic of the day, has everybody bookmarked and went to everybody's channel and subscribed for the tournament next week? If you haven't, go to esports.threatgen.com. You know, yours truly, plus Dr. Jared Osier, Jack Scott, which is probably in the channel. A lot of people are going to be competing next week. So definitely go, definitely get subscribed to everybody's channels. Don't miss a day of that action well granted i hope i win but it's going to be interesting to see some different tactics and techniques that the different competitors are going to be displaying um so it'd be great joel no i am not undefeated simon took me took me off of that throne i've had to add a big big old piece of humble pie on that one so um, I do think I'm still beating Dr. Jared Osher in the stands, but I am no longer undefeated. So, U.S. government offensive cybersecurity actions tied to defensive demands. Following up on a strategy first revealed publicly in 2018, the U.S. Department of Defense has published a cyber strategy summary introducing a new concept called Defense Forward which signals that the U.S. would not wait until a malicious cyber attack occurred before taking action. Defense Forward is now in common cybersecurity parlance to describe actions that preemptively defend against cyber threats or likely cyber threats before they can cause damage. The goal is to pursue similar types of proactive operations, such as those executed by domestic U.S. law enforcement to retrieve cryptocurrencies on behalf of ransomware victims, most notably Colonial Pipeline. The full report and analysis on Defense Forward is available at CSO Online. Finally, some special event news from... All right, spicy alert. Here we go. I was wondering if there was going to be one of these one of these things that did, did it for me. So drop down the spicy jalapenos. This is dangerous. Beep precedent. This is dangerous. This is so dangerous. I'll tell you why. People are going to think that the federal government is going to help that protect their environment. This is not good. You see this like, oh, well, the U.S. government is going to be proactive and they'll stop me from getting, you know, my PII stolen. They'll stop me from getting ransomware. You know, this is total and utter BS. This is going to set a bad precedent. I, oh, this is not good, ladies and gentlemen. People are going to offload their stuff and think that this is, you know, this is somebody else's problem and will, you know, be super complaining and crying when something freaking happens to them. You know, and then they're going to want to go to the federal government. Oh, pay for my ransomware. You said you're defending forward. Sounds like a some of the news articles or news channels uh, leaning forward or something like that. Um, sorry, I haven't been watching the news in the past six months. Just everything on there is a dumpster fire. But if I remember correctly, there's leaning forward or something moving forward. So I don't know. Sounds like one of the news ar news article, major news chains or something. But this is this is bad. 
I mean, I know nobody from the government or at least anybody in the U S government is going to actually take this seriously, you know, from me warning about this on a podcast, but this is just effing horrible. You know, this is, this, this goes right along the same thing of, Oh, I don't have to do cybersecurity because I have cybersecurity insurance, right? Oh, they'll pay for it. So I don't, I've transferred my risk. Yes. Insurance is transfer of risk, but it's still not a substitution for policy and procedure of protecting your own assets. Right? So this is effing horrible. Oh my gosh. Oh, this is going to have me triggered for like a long time now. Yeah, this this may actually trigger me more than them changing CMMC to eight, a NIST 800-171. This is this is horrible. This is just Oh my gosh, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Well, Hopefully y'all enjoyed today's episode. Thanks again to Dr. Jared Ozier for letting me be on this wonderful illustrious podcast. Thanks for letting me be a part of your morning today. Thank you so much. Um, please again, um, go to esports.threatgen.com. Look at everybody who is going to be competing next week. Um, you know, definitely keep things on your calendar. And um, until next time, we hope everybody takes care and we will see y'all next time.